Well, we're going to be in God's Word for just a few moments here, and obviously this week we've talked a lot about shining, about letting God's light shine in and through us. When life feels like it's dark, we're to let light shine, let the light of Jesus shine. We talked about when we don't get along, we're to live in harmony with one another, so we need to let God's light shine. When good things happen, when people are sad, when people need help, we are to shine Jesus' light. That's what we've been emphasizing all week long with these kids, and We've been emphasizing this idea of shining God's light, and that made me think a little bit this week. Does God actually have light to shine? What do we mean when we say shine the light of Jesus? And so I started thinking about this week. We do see that word light appear in the Bible often. It's actually there a lot. But another word that we find in the Bible that might help us understand this idea of God's light is the biblical word glory. And so we're going to talk about glory today, and what I mean when I say the word glory, I mean it's a very, very special word in the Bible. In fact, it's a very, very, very special word. Something that is glorious is something that is amazing and unique. It's something that's really, really radiant. It's something that's very, very shiny. So think about this. Have you ever been to Birch Bay or maybe Semiyamu at sunset? Sometimes you talk about the glory of a sunset. Do you know that the angle of the light is just right, and like when it hits your eyes, it's so shiny, it's really hard to take in all the beauty of the light. In order to see it, actually, you actually have to squint your eyes a little bit to take it all in. Or maybe you just walked out the building, you know, on a, right after vacation Bible school. Who thought it was shiny outside, you know, during the hot dog time? Everybody's like walking around like this, like, because the sun is like reflecting off the white concrete, and it's hard to take in all the glory. You have to squint and adjust your eyes. So sometimes we can experience glory in relationships as well. Do you know that I got married to the prettiest girl in the world, all you kids, right? I, you know, I got married to Suzanne, and it's a glorious thing that she said yes to me, even after she has to put up with me all these years doing crazy stuff all the time. The day that I married Suze, I stood in the front of a church, and there were hundreds of people looking at me, but I didn't really care about all those people looking at me because I was looking at something much more glorious. Because in the very back of that same sanctuary was Suze, and she was getting ready to walk down and marry me. And so when I saw her appear at the back of the church, I started breathing a little bit faster. A tear came to my eye. My pulse started racing a little bit. And a lump was in my throat. Some of you know what that's like, men, if you have got married to your bride. You know that feeling. I was overwhelmed. I wasn't sad. What I was experiencing was I was being overwhelmed with the glory of that moment. Something very, very significant and amazing was getting ready to happen that would forever change my life. It was glory. Glory. And the word glory is kind of a fun Hebrew word to say, so I want to teach the kids this Hebrew word. The word for glory is kavod. Can you say that with me? Kavod, all right? It's kind of a very special word that God uses of himself. It means to be weighty or heavy, meaning God's glory is something that you just can't ignore. When we say that God is glorious or that he's radiant, that he's beautiful, it's, we can't just ignore that and pretend that he doesn't exist. 
All week long we've been talking about shining the light of Jesus and the reason that we want to talk about reflecting that light to other people is because he, our God, is so, so kavod. He's so glorious. And all of creation is telling us about the glory of God. And I want us to look at just a few verses today. So look at these verses. They'll be on the screen or you can look in your Bibles as well. Psalm 29, this is what it says. It says, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. And get this, and all in his temple cry glory. When we see who our God is, that's the proper response because God is glorious. He's weighty. He is heavy. He's something that you just can't ignore. You have to deal with him. And all of God's creation tells us that he is glorious. And since he is glorious and we are part of his creation, we ought to give him glory as well. We should live our lives in awe of him. So today we want to talk about our glorious God for a few moments. And hopefully at the end of the day, We'll have an unquenchable desire to know him and his glory even more and live our lives in appropriate response to him. But for that to happen, we need to pray and ask for his help. So let's pray. God, today we want to talk about the brilliance of your beauty as we see it shining through all that you have made and all that you've revealed to us. And we need your help to do this. So can you please help us to have that happen here today? And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, today we're going to look at a really special psalm. You can go ahead and turn to Psalm 19. We're just going to look at two verses today. This is a psalm that you'll want to go back over and over again because it shows us the brilliance of the beauty of God's glory and how it shines and how he reveals that beauty to us to behold. So we're not going to get into all the details of Psalm 19. We're just going to look at two verses, but it's something that you want to go back to. This is a magnificent psalm that tells us about God's kavod, his glory. Once again, we're only going to look at two verses, but we're going to see glory in them. And if we had a whole bunch of time, we'd spend more time in the text and look at a lot more glory, but we'll go back to it some other time in the future. But let's look at what David says in Psalm 19, verses 1 through 2. It says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech, and night after night, they reveal knowledge. We're going to take the rest of our time just to look at these verses just for a few moments here. And what we're going to see is that God's glory is on display in the world that he has made. God's glory is on display in the world that he has made. In verses 1 through 6 of this psalm, David is wanting us to see and experience something amazing. He wants us to notice the glory and the brilliance of God's glory. He wants us to see the brilliance of God's beauty that is on display whenever we use our five senses. Now think about this. If our bodies are working right and functioning the way that God has designed them to function, we have eyes and we can see with them. We have ears and we can hear. We have noses and we can smell. Sometimes we wish we didn't, right? 
You have, you have these tiny little taste buds on our tongue that can taste. And have you ever had one of those little things get swollen? Yeah, it's not very fun, right? Ouch. So that tells us that we have the ability to feel, right? We can feel things. This is how God designed us as humans to interact with the environment that we find ourselves living in. God designed our bodies in a glorious way. But the human body isn't the only glorious thing in the creation. All of the creation itself is glorious, and it points us back to the one who is himself glorious. And so David, in this psalm, wants us to use our senses. He wants us to interact with the world, think about what we see and experience, and then give praise to the one who designed it, who created it, who sustains it all in an ongoing way. This is what he says, the heavens declare the glory of God. So it's interesting. What does David mean by that phrase, the heavens? What could he be talking about? Any ideas? This is where it's audience participation, right? What could David be talking about when he says the heavens are declaring the glory of God? Anybody? Yeah. The good place, right? Yeah, yeah. What else? What else could he be talking about? The heavens. Think about it. Come on, the sky, yeah, very good, the stars. When you walk out of this building, right, if you looked up and you saw a very bright, shiny thing in the sky, what would you be looking at? You'd be looking at the? Very good, you guys are still awake. I know we used a lot of energy already, right? You'd be looking up at the bright, shiny thing in the sky, and it's called a sun, right? We told some bad jokes this last week. You want to hear one of them? All right, here we go. Why did the sun, why did the sun go to school? Because he wanted to get brighter. There you go. Uh, but why did the son not go to college? He already had a million degrees. Oh, my goodness. So sorry. So, so sorry. We can just cut it off right now. I get it. I told at least five jokes every day like that. That's how much fun I had at Vacation Bible School. All right. If you walked out of this building, you would see the sun. And if it was at nighttime, you'd look up and you'd see in the sky, what? You'd see stars. Good. Way to go. But really, those aren't stars, right? Actually, they're just they're suns that are really, 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 really far away. So that from our perspective, they look really small. But those stars that we see at night are distant suns of distant galaxies. And David is saying, the heavens declare the glory of God. The things that we see in the sky, whether it be the daytime or the nighttime, are telling us something about God's weightiness, his glory, his kavod. Well, what would they be telling us? Well, I think it's this, that he's absolutely amazing. He's enormously extravagant. There are so many stars up there. And perhaps you've heard this before. Did you know that there's more stars in the universe than all the grains of sand on all the beaches, on all the deserts, and in every sandbox on planet Earth? What I'm going to get into right here is I'm just really scratching the surface. I honestly don't know exactly all the stuff that I'm talking about, but it just blows my mind, and it's hard for me to fathom that reality. It's really hard to fathom what I'm about to say because this is what happened. Scientists and mathematicians came up with this comparison by measuring the average size of a single grain of sand. 
I don't know how you do that. You need a good microscope and a lot of patience. But they, they measured it and they calculated how many sand granules would fit in something that's a fixed size like a gallon jug. So they, they, they did all the calculations and they found out, hey, there's a lot that we could fit in there. There's a really, really big number that can fit into a gallon-sized jug. And then they did some current geological studies of the planet's surface, and it gave them an idea of the earth and how much of the earth's surface is covered in sand. And they had a really, really big number. And then they just did some simple multiplication with some very, very big numbers, and they came up with a very, very, very weighty, heavy, cavode-type number. And that would tell them how many grains of sand would be on the earth. And so this is what they say. I don't know how they do this. It's amazing. But scientists, secular scientists, right, scientists estimate that earth contains 7.5 sextillion grains of sand. That's 75 followed by 17 zeros. That's a lot of sand. We went by Lummy, out on the Lummy Nation the other day, and I, just, I, I, I asked my kids to try to pick up one grain of sand. It's, it's, it's just, it's so small, Right? 7.5 sextillion grains of sand, it's amazing, it's hard to fathom, but wait, wait a second. We're not trying to figure out how much sand there is on the earth, right? We're trying to figure out how many stars there are in God's universe. We want to know how many voices there are in the heavens that are declaring the glory of God incessantly, perpetually, day after day and night after night. We just started the comparison. Now we need to complete the comparison. We started the journey by saying that there's more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on all the beaches, deserts, and sandboxes on planet Earth. So now we know how much sand there is on Earth, but how are we going to find out how many stars there are in the universe? Well, we need to collect some more data. We need to start counting and multiplying all over again. And this is where the scientists and the mathematicians fell short, and they needed to lean on their astronomer friends. And this is what those astronomer friends did. They came up with this thing. It's called the Hubble Space Telescope. Has anyone ever seen it? It's outdated now. We'll talk about that in a moment. But over the course of 16 years, an international team of astronomers used a very special camera called the Hubble Space Telescope to take 7,500 pictures. And you thought your family pictures were bad, right? If you just stand there and smile, you'll get them over with right away. It won't take 16 years, and your mom won't have to take 7,500 of them, all right? So smile. They sent this thing up into space. And then they pointed in the direction of space that they had believed might be empty. It just looked like an empty part of space. And they opened the aperture way up. That's the little spot that lets the light into the camera. And they wanted to see if anything would show up. After 7,500 pictures and 16 years of worth of exposure, May, 19, or May 2019, this is the picture that they had stitched together. Can you go ahead and show this picture? All right, you're like, well, what changed? <laughs> that's, that's the picture. That's the picture that they came up with. Like, well, what's a big deal? Well, this is, at the time, in May of 2019, this was like one of the most awe-inspiring photos that had ever been taken. When this was revealed, people went crazy because this is a picture of deep space. It's a picture that people thought 
when they pointed the camera in this black part of space that was empty, upon further review, this came back after 16 years and 7,500 pictures, and each one of those little dots there represents there's at least 265,000 galaxies that came up in a little spot in the universe that they pointed the camera at. So it's this small. If you would hold your thumb up in the night sky, you could even do this right now and it's like try to look at one of the lights. If you would just cover up one of those lights, behind your thumb from your eye's perspective, there would be 265,000 galaxies represented behind the spot of your thumb. That's hard to fathom. That's hard to understand that there could be that many stars. And people went crazy when this picture came back. This is amazing. This picture, these aren't stars. These are galaxies filled with stars. And from this information, astronomers made a conservative estimate that the total number of stars in the universe was at least 70 septillion stars. That's seven followed by 23 zeros. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So there are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on the earth. And in fact, every grain of sand, right? For every grain of sand, they have calculated there's probably a 10,000 to 1 ratio. Think about that. You take a, you take a piece of sand and then times that by 10,000, and that would be the conservative estimates on how many stars there are in the universe. This is a weighty thought. That's a glorious thought. That brings a new depth of meaning when you hear David say, the heavens declare the glory of God, right? The Hubble legacy field photo is amazing. A NASA official said of this photo that no image will surpass this one until future space telescopes are launched. Well, we know that just a few years ago, NASA launched an even bigger and better telescope into space. It was called the James Webb Telescope. And the early images that have come back from this telescope are just astounding. It's just absolutely astounding. By zooming in on what, this is the, this is the telescope, but kind of pointing it in the same direction of the sky. And they're, they're, they're coming back with new images like every week. It's just amazing. I took this one from about a month or so ago. And it looks, you know, comparable to what we see on the left, but when you study it and you see how much more light there is, and our projector is great, but not amazing, right? By zooming into what looks like an empty speck in the sky, this telescope revealed something even more glorious. Those astronomers that studied this photo, they studied the findings that said if you were to go outside and hold a single grain of sand at arm's length, behind that grain of sand would be at least thousands of galaxies in that portion of the sky. It's it just, I don't understand how to comprehend these things. Like my mind just starts to smoke a little bit, Right? My mind can't comprehend this. This is too wonderful for me. And this is what the psalmist says in Psalm 147, verse 3. He, God, determines the number of stars and he gives all of them their names. <laughs> so all those, all those have names that he determined? He determines the number of stars and he gives each one their name? How do you do that? That's a heavy thought. That's glorious, but it's not too glorious or too heavy for the God of glory. He's very capable of keeping them all identified. So all those voices, listen, 
All those voices are shouting from the heavens, and yet all these voices were created in one simple voice command from the God who named them. It's kind of funny. I've talked about this before. I think this may be the most biggest overstatement in the Bible. Moses, rather nonchalantly, by the way, devotes three words to indicate how God made the stars. This is what Moses said. Listen, it's almost comical now that you know the data, right? Genesis 1.16. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser night to rule the sky and the stars. <laughs> like, oh, by the way, God made the stars, you know? It's as if making the stars was the most simple, basic, common thing ever. These behemoth balls of gases that have gravitational pull that hold solar systems together Designed, created, continually sustained by God. No biggie. God made those. <laughs> oh my goodness. Be a, like us going home today and saying, uh, I'm rushed. I don't know what to make for dinner. Well, let's just make some toast, right? Toast would be very simple, right? God's glory is on display in the world that he has made. And what I mean by that is he is somebody you have to deal with. God is somebody you have to deal with. His magnificence is on display in all that is, he has made. This is amazing to me, and it was amazing to David as well. In fact, David wrote in another place some of the words that signify the smallness of man in comparison to the grand scheme of things. It was as if David was looking up at the night sky and beholding the glory of God that he was seeing there, and then he considered himself and the pettiness of his problems, and he began to wonder if God even cared about him. And this is what David wrote in Psalm 8 as we close. He says this, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him? Who am I? Who am I that you might be mindful of me, the son of man that you would not only just be aware of me, but that you would care for me? And sometimes we can feel pretty insignificant. Sometimes we can feel like, man, I, why would God care about me? Or maybe I've messed up so much that God, of course God doesn't care about me. Like I've, I've made a mess of my life. And in the grand scheme of things and all that God has made, why would he be mindful of me? And I remember wrestling with that a number of years ago. And I remember writing a song based off of Psalm 8. And I want to sing it because I have to remind myself of these things often. And then we'll close with the final word from our scripture today. And then we'll sing one final song for Vacation Bible School. This is what I imagine myself thinking when I consider the work of God's hands. And I consider the smallness of me in the continually times that I mess up over and over again. Try tune it on. When I consider the work of your fingers, the sky, and the work of your hands, what is mankind that you're mindful of him? Made out of dust and controlled by my lust and impure. Living for me, the smallness of man is made clear by what's seen. 
Clap through the chorus you sang And on that third day Evening and morning And all was good In just three rotations The crown of creation was made On that sixth day The visible image of God was displayed I am left wandering. What is man that you're mindful of me? On a cold, distant hillside hung a Savior who died on a tree. Nails in his hands, he is the one who now represents me. The Father above looked upon him with love as he cried. With nails in his feet, but due to his death now I have been set free. Now I know why you care for me, your son's precious death was for me. When you look at God's creation, all that he has made, you'd wonder how he would even be mindful of us. And then when you think and you look in your heart and you see that so often we're controlled by our own desires and we live for ourselves or we live to please our own lusts, why would God care? Not just be mindful, but why would he care? And then we see what Jesus has done for us. And he's mindful of us because he loves us. He loves each and every one of us so dearly to the degree that John 3.16 is in the Bible, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. He loves us. Us small, self-focused creatures. He loves, even in the grand scheme of things, of all of God's glorious creation that he has created, you and I are not insignificant to him. This is a reality that we all have to deal with. He gave his son for us. 
Talk about glory. The Son was sent into the world to die on our behalf, rise again on our behalf, so that when we believe in his work for us, we can escape the condemnation that our sins deserve and receive from him the gift of eternal life. That's good news. That's way more glorious than all the stars in every galaxy combined. The light emanating from the face of Jesus Christ is way, way, way more radiantly glorious. And this is what Paul says. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we all say, amen. Let's pray, and then we're going to talk about how Jesus is the light of the world when we sing our final song together. God, I pray that we would understand how much you love us, how much you care for us, not just that you're mindful of us, but that you actually care for us. And that is evident in the fact that you just didn't let us go our own way, but you stepped into the world that you created and for our sake suffered and bled and died and yet rose again. That, so whoever believes in that message would be able to have eternal life and spend eternity with you so that we could give you and say glory to God forever. God, in the meantime, I pray that you would take all of our lives and let them be used for your glory. God, help us to shine the light of Jesus everywhere we go this week. We thank you that you are radiantly beautiful and that your brilliance is on display through the five senses that we have been given. And as we interact with the world and as we interact with your word, I pray that we would live in light of your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.